Friday, foodies, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed, the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a guest that I cannot wait to talk to. But before we dive in, uh, I had so much fun playing Would You Rather on my Instagram stories this past week. So uh, basically what it is, I I, I kind of crowdsource these questions, uh, put it out to my audience, had you guys write in and give me the Would You Rather scenarios and then I answered them and I also added a poll feature so that I could get everybody else's feedback because I was curious if you agreed with me or if you if you chose the other scenario in that situation. Um, I don't know. We had a lot of fun. It was a lot of good back and forth and good discussion. Of course, a lot of the would you rather scenarios related back to food because Hey, I love talking about food. We are here on the Food Network Obsessed podcast. So I thought it would be really fun to do the same thing here. And um, basically what we're going to do is have my producers present to me some food related would you rather questions. I'm going to answer them in real time. So bear with me. Not sure which direction they're going. I don't know if we're keeping it nice and fun and easy or if we're going to have some uh, stumpers in there. So uh, we're all going to find out together. I'm very excited. So here we go. All right. First one. Would you rather never eat cheese again or never eat potatoes again? Uh, that is an impossible question. So thanks for <laughs> coming out of the gate hot, guys. Um, but I, if you look at my Instagram bio, um, you will know the answer to this. So I would probably go with never eat potatoes again because I love cheese. I am obsessed with cheese. I have cheese at all times in my house. That is my go-to snack. Um, I could have a cheese plate for dinner. So as much as I love potatoes in all forms, um, fried, mashed, baked, uh, and the like, I, I would have to eliminate those, that one, if, if I was, if I was posed that question, which I just was. All right. What's up next? Would you rather give up breakfast, lunch, dinner, or dessert for the rest of your life? I love this question because we always, as you guys know, ask our guests at the very end of each interview what their perfect food day is, including all four of those things. Um, I'm going to go with probably an unpopular choice, and that is I would give up dessert because I am just not as much of a sweets person um, as most of the world is, um, including my boyfriend. Um, so, yeah, I would give up dessert because I, I definitely am You kind of pivoting off our last question. I would have a cheese plate for dessert, and that's not a typical dessert uh, item. So I, I will I will get rid of the sweets if I had to pick one of those four. Would you rather eat oversalted food or undersalted food? Oh, you guys, these are great questions. They're great. Would you rather questions? Um, I would. That's that's tough because both can ruin a plate of food if it's undersalted, underseasoned, um, and obviously if it's oversalted. If we're talking just like slightly oversalted, I would much rather have a saltier dish than not enough salt because I think salt really is what brings out the flavors that we all love and enjoy in most of our dishes. So I'll go oversalted, but only if it's like slightly oversalted. If it's not like dumped with like a pound of salt on it, I couldn't do that. But that's what I'm going with. All right. Hit me with the next one, guys. Would you rather eat New York style, Chicago style or Detroit style pizza? Um, this is a great question because also, if you follow me on social media, you know that I am a pizza obsessed person and I will immediately eliminate Chicago style because that is definitely not my favorite style. So it would be between New York style, Detroit. I, I do love a square slice. I love that, you know, Detroit style, you kind of get that cheese baked into the crust and it's, it's perfectly crunchy. But I think as a, a girl living in New York and a pizza obsessed person uh, living there, I'm going to go with New York style because I, I do think that there's nothing better than like, just like a really perfect, well done uh, New York slice. So I'm going New York. What's next? Would you rather live in a world where you can only drink hot coffee or only drink iced coffee? 
That is a difficult one as well, because I definitely am the type of person that goes with the seasons and and we do both in our household. Um, But I think I might go iced coffee, but only if we're talking like cold brew. Uh, My boyfriend, Justin, has a very extensive cold brew home brewing operation in the summers in our house. Uh, We always have a giant jug of it um, during the warm summer months, and it is very addictive. Um, It's so much better than just hot coffee that is iced. So I'm going, I'm I'm slightly altering the answer because I'm not sure what the intention was, but I'm going iced coffee as long as it's cold brew, but I I enjoy both. Okay, next one. This is fun. Would you rather give up your favorite skillet or part with your knife set? Oh, both are so vital in the kitchen and I use both every single day. Um, oh man, I, I can't, I would have to give up, I guess, my favorite skillet because I would assume that means that I have other skillets in my arsenal that I can use, but giving up my entire knife set, I don't know how I would like chop things or, or prep anything to cook. So that's, that's what I'm going with. All right. I believe we have one more. So, uh, we're going out with a bang. Let's see what this last one is. (laughs) Would you rather you guys are too good. Would you rather eat a bell pepper or eat a scoop of mint chocolate chip ice cream Every every day. I just got to the end of this question every day for the rest of your life. All right. So if you don't know, these are like my two food kryptonites. I I dislike both of them very much. (laughs) Um, But there is nothing that I hate more than a bell pepper. So there is absolutely no way that I could eat a. a bite of bell pepper for the rest of my life every single day. So I feel like I could learn to at least tolerate mint chocolate chip ice cream. Um, I don't like the flavor. I don't, I think it tastes like toothpaste with chocolate on it, but um, however, I think it's less offensive to me (laughs) than uh, a bell pepper. That was so much fun. Such a perfect last question as well. Uh, we'll have to do that again sometime. Maybe I'll do it again on my Instagram stories this weekend um, for anybody that missed it the last time. And uh, we would love to hear your thoughts on social media at all times. You can use the hashtag Food Network Obsessed. Tag me and also Food Network. I am Jamie on Twitter and Jamie Sire across all other social platforms. Love to hear your guys' thoughts. Love to get you involved as well. And, and like I said, keep an eye on the Instagram stories. Perhaps we will we will play that again over the weekend. But in the meantime, we have an amazing guest this week. I have a feeling he's going to bring the laughs. He is an Austin-based food writer and blogger who is also the host of the new season of Spring Baking Championship. You may recognize him from his series Cheap Eats on Cooking Channel and his guest appearances on Chopped and Chopped Junior. This week, it's Ali Khan. Welcome to the pod. I am so excited to have you on today because, um, well, number one, on your website, you describe yourself as a hype beast foodie. So I obviously need to start off with that. And and you have to tell me what that means. Okay. So I was watching the burger show with Alvin Kyla Mm -hmm. and he was talking about a burger joint that had been around for four months. And he was like, it's one of the best places ever. And the people on the show were like, how'd you hear about it? And he goes, well, every hype beast foodie has been talking about it. And when I heard him say that for the first time, I actually heard a term that I felt fit me. And to me, hype beast foodie means this. It's someone who is just so fired up to share whatever eatery epiphany they have that they have to just get it out there and share it. And certainly in this world of social media and YouTube and podcast and basically self-publishing, it's like, yeah, it's like, yo, I, I just can't sit still on this. I need to tell the world. I mean, that that's pretty much what Hypebeast Foodie is. It's like, you know, I, I told someone way back when, right before Cheap Eats happened, and it was a long road, but I remember telling this guy, like, listen, no matter what, till the day I die, I will be talking about food. <laughs> and I don't mean like 
hey, I want to eat a sandwich. It's like, have you had this? Have you ever heard of that? Like, it's just about being so welled up with passion that you have to find a way to communicate whatever it is you have just learned by any means necessary. I, I love it. I feel like you're just in general, you're just like a, a hype man. I feel like I'm I'm already like pumped up just listening to your first answer. <laughs> it's yeah, I mean the the term is is very much like it's also a style. You know what it reminds me of too? It's kind of like in sports or in hip hop. There's an element to it where it's kind of like smack talk. There's some bravado to it. Like yesterday we were talking, I was having a, a, a meeting and it was over some tacos that happened to be on Taco Tuesday. <laughs> and these cats were saying, oh, Rosita's al pastor. It's good. It's good. I'm like, it ain't all that. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mean to just throw shade, but sometimes you gotta, when you're like, ah, the hype beast foodie in me says, I cannot stay silent on this subject. You know? <laughs> it's weird, man. It's like, it's like, it's like slam dance poetry or something. You know what I mean? You just gotta get, you gotta share it with the world. Well, I'm sure people would not be surprised to learn after hearing you even just talk for the first couple of minutes. Uh, you are a fellow drama geek. Um, my theater career sadly ended in high school, but uh, you went on to study theatrical arts at Carnegie Mellon and University of Southern California. I'm wondering how you think maybe your theater training has, you know, helped with your hosting gigs. For sure. I mean, out the gate, I will tell you right now, uh, learning how to take direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, improvisation is really big. You know, it's funny, too, when you study acting, right? You realize like so much of it is, look, it's not just memorize the lines and say it. You know, it's listening. Listening is a very, very active thing one does. And really, um, you know, a big part of acting over the course of its history has been really bringing truth into a performance. And that truth exists when you're hosting, when you're doing interviews. I mean, part of the job is kind of making sure you're you're always in it and stuff and understanding that it's a craft and it's something you work on. You know what I mean? Um, and also, let's be honest, like when you have to watch yourself and be like, oh my God, that's me. I thought I looked like Brad Pitt. No, I don't. <laughs> this is who I am. This is what I sound like. This is being real about it. And then going, how can I be better? So again, I think it's just like, look, it's a craft and you have to work on it. Yeah, I think uh, when I first started out, my the weirdest part for me was listening to myself. I didn't realize that that's how I sounded, but, um, yeah. I've obviously gotten a little bit more used to that by now, but, uh, let's talk about some of the food network shows that fans are, are familiar with. Obviously your breakout show was cheap eats. Yeah. You've been a judge on chopped chopped junior. And of course you are now hosting the newest season of spring baking championship. What can we expect this season on the show? Man, uh, you know, it's very baking championship. You know, it's it's as big as the stage gets on Food Network. I mean, first of all, like it's like it's a big fat joy to be back. It's pretty spectacular. Um, there are some changes, but I feel like you wouldn't really notice some of them. Like we shot in a giant big tent. Mm -hmm. I mean, we literally shot in a giant big tent. And obviously part of that is, you know, part of those COVID protocols. What was fascinating was it looks like the same set. Like if you're watching it, you're like, oh yeah, that's spring baking championship. But you know, if you can imagine like what a soundstage is, which is I'm really bad with dimensions, but it's gigantic. You know, it's a <laughs> really big. it's a big old thing, <laughs> which means it's a really, really big tent. And we shot like we were basically we shot in Rancho Palos Verdes. So the ocean was like a five-minute jog away. I mean, it's like wow. right there. And so it's a tent, so like the wind would come in. So first of all, it's a beautiful sensation to just be by the ocean, let alone to be working right on the Pacific coastline. But what was crazy was sometimes like these wind gusts would come in. So you really were like, even though you're inside, you're at you, the feeling is you are outside. And then I don't know if we were like by, no, I know we were by some sort of like flight path uh. or like Coast Guard <laughs> or like military helicopters. Because sometimes, and again, you'd never know this because we would stop. But, you know, we could be doing the show right now. And then all of a sudden, you know, the first AD would be like, hold, hold, hold. And then eventually you would hear it too. You're like, I'm going to say something, but I won't because we all hear it. The helicopter, the helicopter. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, but th that was a really wild sensation. One new thing this season is uh, we introduced what we call the springboard. So after the end of the reveal of who won, right, we would I would spin a board. 
And the board would rank all the bakers, like, you know, one through 11, 10, 9, 8, as the weeks went on. And what was cool about that was you would literally visually see who's on top, who's on second, third, fourth, fifth. And then that became, you know, a bit of like drive and a source of, you know, kind of tension and motivation. Um, and then as we added twists and turns and when the bakers would have the opportunity to like switch partners and stuff like that, you could kind of, it created an element of strategy. So that was really cool. That sounds fun. I mean, speaking of those twists and turns, is there a crazy challenge that we can maybe look forward to that you could give us a little a little teaser, a little sneak peek? Sure. So it was like kind of the, you know, it's spring. So all these themes are related around something that would happen in spring. So there's, you know, two challenges. We call it the preheat and the main heat. For the main heat, first of all, the bakers had to work as teams. Okay. So imagine like two bakers are, you and me have to make a wedding cake, okay. right? But you work on your half and I work on my half. And the other thing is there is a screen that divides us. Oh my gosh. I, I can't love see this. you. You can't see me. And what we have to do is we have to just like, I mean, first of all, they have to align together, but they have to like work on how it fits on a construction level. But you know, the overall, like just look and design and stuff like that. So that was pretty wild. I love the behind the scenes stuff, you know, in the scoop. And I, I think the listeners have really been joining that as well. What do you and the judges do during downtime on set? If, if any, you know what we did do a few times, we hung out and cooked together. Really? So yeah, this is what was really cool. So, you know, again, like this is, you know, they doing this show, uh, hosting a show like through making championship is a pleasure on a lot of levels. One of the great things was, uh, where we were, you know, put up where we'd stayed, we had full kitchen, mm. a full kitchen. Like as soon as I didn't know that when I got there, I was like, um, I'm going to Instacart groceries. It's cool, <laughs> you know? So we were all cooking and then, you know, it was like, Hey, um, what are you making? Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm gonna make this. All right, well, let's get together and have a little potluck. So we would meet at Nancy Fuller, uh, who's one of the judges, her room. She had a nice room. So that was the one we picked. And like, yeah, we made just like a lot of food. One night Duff made a uh, beef stew. He made beef. He had to cook it in the slow cooker all day. And he nice. lives in LA. So he could like zip up and grab his slow cooker and stuff like that. Um, I made doll and I made chicken sog. Wow. Uh, Nancy made sloop, which is this, I'd never heard of it, but it's like this stew. It, it, it basically, it's like, you're kind of like cleaning out the fridge. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, it's stew. It's, it's, it, it had like ground beef. It was really funny because I made doll. And I used like a yellow split pea. So it had this kind of beige look. And hers looked like doll too with whatever <laughs> she used in the fridge. So that was really funny. There's like a picture of us on like an Instagram story and we're both holding pots. And it's like, you know, he's, and she wrote, he calls it doll. I call it sloop. But you know, it's just a little hot pod. A lot of kind of comforty, you know, braises and stuff like that too. Love it. But yeah, we all hung out. Fifty Shades of, of Beige Foods. <laughs> I know. Not exactly, you know, Food Network uh, visually the most interesting. It wouldn't make Carnival Eats. You know? But you know what? I bet it tasted really good. And that's that's the only thing that matters, right? Straight up. I, I think there's some truth in the term ugly delicious. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, Thanksgiving is pretty much all beige foods. And we know how much we all love yeah. those foods as well. Uh, speaking of some of the judges, we had Cartier Brown on the pod. She talked about just the endless amounts of you know cake and desserts that she got to eat as a judge on the show but I, i'm wondering as a host do you get to taste any of that stuff so you know what happened this season hmm. this season they had me the host actually was seated along with the judges and i got to eat everything really now now I'll tell you a little secret in season four i just stood there while they judged and, you know, commiserated. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, and when it was good, Nancy just being like, you know, what, what, Duff always calls her America's favorite grandma. <laughs> so she just was like, you, she would just, she, she, I don't even think she used words. She just grabbed the spoon or fork and just, she fed me. She literally oh. would feed me. And it was always some really, really good stuff. And that was amazing. This season, I got to try everything. Oh Everything. my gosh. How was Everything. it? <laughs> I mean, look, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I, and I'll, I'll say this full disclosure, like, um, 
there are certain things that I'm just weak in the knees for. Anything related to chocolate mousse, forget about it. <laughs> one, one episode, or there was one competitor who would, a number of times he'd do entremet, which is like kind of like a mousse, but a cake. Oh my God. Wow. It was, I just, every time I was like, he wins. <laughs> you know, I, I, Wait, did you have did you have a vote or you just got to taste it? No, no. Okay. What was kind of fascinating is when I got to try it and, you know, listening and hearing what they'd say. There were times where I was like, I have a personal conviction that just I'm not li- I'm not feeling that. Duh. I am not feeling that it was, it was your hype beast foodie was was just dying to come out. <laughs> I was I was contained. I was shackled. The, the beast was shackled. Yeah, that's what happened. So I've been a guest co-host on Beat Bobby Flay. People always ask me um, if I would ever be able to compete on the show. And I always say, absolutely not. Um, My time management is terrible. But I know you've been a judge on Chopped. What about you? Could you see yourself competing on that show? You know, uh, that's another big fat. Survey says no. (laughs) I mean, look, like I I love cooking and I love cooking because I, I just... I find it relaxing, you know, and I like to, and you know, I'm, I'm chilling with it. It makes me chill, you know? And you know, when you, when you look at chopped and it's like, I'm probably right in the same boat with you about time management skill. I am. I mean, in fact, I am notorious for being the, when will dinner? Cause I love to barbecue and grill and I like, I have an open fire grill. Uh, and, you know, that's a little unpredictable, you know yeah, what I mean? That's like, true. And I don't know. I, I just, yeah, time management, not so good. But I also thought about that. And in a way, I was like, you know, who knows what would happen? Maybe, maybe I need to open myself to that experience, but it could be an epic failure. <laughs> so, right. As long as you're, as you're okay to fail, I think also my competitive side might kick in and then I would be very frustrated. So, so that's something <laughs> I have to tell you. I'm not really competitive. Really? No, okay. I mean, I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, I'm, I think by nature is to be more inquisitive. Mm-hmm. So I would say this, if I went on chop and actually as a judge, I, it was fascinating to sit next to Amanda Freitag and watch her break down a dish and how it went wrong. You know, I, I feel like I would be like a sponge and learn a lot, but yeah, 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 yeah. I ain't winning the money. don't don't bet on me don't don't do that you'll waste your money what's one thing about chopped that maybe surprised you just about how the the whole process or the show works you know they really it's 30 minutes like you know like the clock's no joke Mm. the clock is no joke it's like wow they i mean the whole thing shoots and i mean we're there for 12 hours you know what i mean and um it's just when, when they start going it's like wow the clock's going and you know there, there's when you're shooting the show and judging there's essentially some downtime you know what i mean mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it's like you know it's funny like you don't want to rest on your laurels judging chopped because uh, <laughs> right. you because all of a sudden i turn around and marcus sam's it's like jumping up and down i'm like are you riding a mechanical horse what's going on it's like oh no because stuff's happening in the kitchen like just when you think it's chill no no no, something's happening it's because that 30 minute clock is no joke it goes really fast um <laughs> and if you could only do one or the other would you rather be a judge or a host hosting hosting that's oh. more that's just more in your wheelhouse yeah i mean the thing is is i <sighs> You know, it's funny, uh, years, you know, over the years, people are like, oh, like, are you a food critic? And I'm like, I, I feel like, and this is part of the new school of what food media has evolved into is that, you know, there's just a lot of people who are explorers and advocates of places versus someone who's like, well, you know, let me give you a rating system. You know, to me, it's like, if I'm talking about it, it's a five star, it's a two <laughs> thumbs up, you know? And, and so for me, like, you know, the hosting element, and I would almost say, too, if you're talking about hosting versus judging, then you have to talk about, I think, the nature of the competition show. And mm-hmm. I love being there for the competitors. Like, okay. even though I'm the bearer of bad news, I'm <laughs> like, hey, guess what? You have to do this now. <laughs> Sorry. You have to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or in the ultimate. Yeah. Which is very, that was actually one of the hardest things ever. Really? Chopped was dropping the hammer. Um, yeah, that was a tough day because I never, I didn't understand what that was like, the pressure of that. Because they're sitting there going, who's going to, you know, it's real. You know, someone is, you know, it's not predetermined. Someone gets the axe, you know. But, uh, you know, I, I have to say, like, and in, in a show like Spring Baking Championship, where while the bakers are baking, I get to go in there and interview them. It's nice to just kind of be in their corner a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and I like that. I quite like that role. 
Yeah, that seems like it fits you very well. Well, I know you also have such a large footprint in the digital foodie space. You've got your blog, Best Bang for Your Burger Buck. You recently launched a YouTube series called Good Sauce. Talk to me just a little bit about your journey from someone who clearly loves food to being mm-hmm. a food writer and now a host of a Food Network show. How did how did the career evolve to what we see now? All right. I'm going to just give you a fair warning. Okay. This is a, this is a biggie. This, <laughs> this is, is a doozy. Okay. Yeah, it's a doozy. It's like it, to the point where I actually give a talk at a University of Texas Austin School of Journalism about this very, very question. So, I mean, first and foremost, like it all started with writing a restaurant guidebook, which was really like, it was an active fate. Uh, a dear friend of mine who I know since I was 12, who we used to hit restaurants hard in high school, hit me up and asked me to write a restaurant guidebook for Los Angeles. And this is 2003, so okay. pre-Yelp, pre-smartphone. <laughs> so that kind of intel, just you have to go to printed publications. And he knew that I was someone who was just in the know. I was a hype beast foodie even before the internet, actually. <laughs> How about that? Maybe I'm a dinosaur, but anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I wrote, I worked on that. And then what happened afterwards was, you know, I uh, graduated from USC, big film school. And a friend of mine who also, who had gone to film school, saw when the book came out, he goes, you, you got to figure this out. Like, you want to be in front of the camera. You have this thing about food that's just irresistible. Like, you need to merge the two. So he was like, let's come up with a cool project. He introduced me to his cousin who had like-minded passions. That was Jeff Morrow. (laughs) Amazing. And in two, that was 2004. We shot a little food show idea and basically long story short in a 10 year process, I eventually got to essentially make the pilot of cheap eats. And in that 10 year process, media and media consumption changed so much. And as we were trying to push this idea, like it literally went from a DVD to a YouTube link. And <laughs> my resume became like, well, here's my social media accounts. Mm-hmm. And like samples of my food writing became a live active blog. And in that time, as my materials evolved, because I had to evolve whatever methods I could use to, again, you know, communicate my message. I think that, you know, and it's happened across all kinds of lifestyle subjects. But, uh, you know, the realization that people can self-empower themselves to be advocates and publishers became part of that conversation. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in, in the history of food media, you had certainly you had professional writers and then you had chefs. Right. And then you have this other populace that creates such an imprint. So, you know, all that stuff just became a way of me being able to express me. You know, it's funny. I think about how I studied theater. Now I'd be like, can I major in YouTube and Instagram? <laughs> right. Seriously. You know what I mean? Or digital publishing, because that was instrumental in getting me to TV. Just that world being those platforms being available and using them. Yeah. Well, you were more advanced than me because I remember sending out my first resume I mean, at the time, they were tapes. Like, I was sending out VHS tapes to news directors across the country, not even DVDs. So, seriously? Yeah. So like, right. I, no, I, I should be right. Wow. I bet we're similar. <laughs> yeah. I think 1999. So, yeah, I should be right there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Old school. Old school. Old school. Yeah. Uh, you have an adorable son, a beautiful family. Um, it seems like you and your son, you guys have a lot of fun together, either in the kitchen or just eating together. How important has it been for you to expose him to a wide variety of foods throughout his childhood? I mean, it it was was out the gate. The expectations were very, very, very high. And I really prided myself on, I mean, look, we're also in the age where for a while now, I mean, you look at a kindergartner's lunchbox Mm. and there will be foods in there. I'm 43. There's foods that my kid had that I didn't have till college. (laughs) Sushi, avocado, WTF, man. Like, I didn't know about all this stuff. So I think, you know, we do live in a world where there's so much more food diversity Mm -hmm. all at our fingertips, right? And, you know, I definitely was, like, wanting him to try lots of stuff. Uh, Speaking of, you know, trying new things, it seems like eating fearlessly is really a mantra that you live by. What does that mean to you? You know, literally that term came out of, you know, I was doing some vlogs back in the day. And I lived in L.A. for 20 years and L.A. has such a rich, diverse Mm -hmm. street food scene. Just let's start there. And I remember going to spots where I was like on a street corner about to eat like 
raw oysters. You know what I mean? <laughs> like from the ceviche truck and stuff. And I was like, I don't know, this feels funny, but I'm going to do it anyways. Eat fearlessly, right? And to me, that's still very, very important because in this age of, let's be honest, food porn and, and you know, comfort food being everywhere, I think it's important to realize that food is an opportunity to experience something new and that it doesn't have to be a familiar sense of pleasure. I mean, it's great. It's great to have your faves. But at the same time, when you try something new, you get to expose yourself to a new culture at the very, very least. And, you know, being someone who grew up with parents from literally the other side of the world, I know the feeling of kind of being food judged. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the kid at school will be like, what you eating, man? What is that? It's all wet, goopy. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, it's curry, my friend. But um, I think eating fearlessly is recognizing that we all have, you know, maybe some limits or some blinders and kind of getting around that and and just realizing you can have an experience. Maybe you won't like it. That's fine. But you should try it. You absolutely should try it. I know you have a a lot of uh, connections to L.A., but you live now in Austin with your family. Um, So be honest. Did you settle there for the food scene? You know, the truth of our move to Austin was we pushed a stroller here. We lived in downtown L.A. in a Mm -hmm. loft. And Austin is very much a place where, logistically speaking, it's 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 easy to raise a family here. I think I will say this, and I'm I'm not afraid to say it. So I be foodie, and I'll, <laughs> I'll 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 wander into those waters. Places like Houston get the short end of the stick because Houston has an amazing food scene. But you know, literally, there's a thing where um, tacos could be all you know. Tacos are a big deal in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, you know, blah 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 has the best street tacos. Blah 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 is the best like kind of country home style tacos. But Austin gets all the credit it's true it's like it is a, they just somehow got it all in there but um it's cool i'm a mile and a half from some of the best tacos i've ever had and the best barbecue i've ever had that's Amazing. saying something yeah. yeah well let's talk about the barbecue because obviously you think of austin you think of the food scene you definitely think of barbecue and there's a lot of opinions about what's you know the best spot in austin give us your top three you know this is i literally it's very difficult it's to, so hard. to come down to three. I mean, first and foremost, this I'll always say this first and foremost, La Barbecue comes to mind. So La Barbecue is in East Austin. And every place I'm going to tell you about is what we consider, what I consider the new school era of barbecue. We call it craft barbecue, where they're using grass-fed brisket or USDA Prime. The chefs are doing interesting things. There's chefs often who have gotten into the trade of being a pit master. And they all pretty much started in the post Aaron Franklin era, mm-hmm. right? So the barbecue, what's interesting with them is they're new school, but their bloodline is to Louis Mueller. So Leanne Mueller, who started La Barbecue, that's where the lot comes from. Her dad's Louis Mueller. So she's legendary. You know, there's barbecue in her DNA. <laughs> that was the first place I visited when I came to Austin. And I have a lot of like emotional attachment there. It's when we decided we were going to move to Austin. We were just visiting. It was the first time I ever had Central Texas barbecue. Really? And also for someone who'd always been chasing food experiences, that was the first time I really experienced native cuisine on the soil. Like I'm in central Texas eating central Texas barbecue. Like when I think about LA, I think about sushi and tacos. Those are technically imports yeah. done very, very well. But I mean, it don't get for me in my experience in history and my the road I've traveled. That was legit having central <laughs> Texas barbecue there. Then from there, I'm going to say uh, Franklin's barbecue because mm-hmm. Look, I mean, I'll say this for a place that is so well known and that commands that insane line. Do you see him opening up a second location? No. Why? Because he is that committed to that quality control. And for everyone who says it's the wait's too long and you can get, frankly, just as good barbecue at a place like La Barbecue or the next place, Valentino, I'm going to tell you about. Um you have to respect what he does. You know what I mean? He, he, he kept that bar right there. He hasn't taken his foot off the pedal um, and, you know, gone the way of expansion or growth, the way obviously a restaurant business can go. And, and I've had it a few times, never waited the line. I've I've worked around it. You can pre-order. You can pre-order at Franklin's. Well, apparently now with COVID, it's, it's never been easier. What's funny is when you live by all of it, you're like, cause it's heavy. 
Like it makes steak look like salad. That brisket—it's <laughs> it, pretty heavy. So Franklin is one, and then quickly my last one, Valentina. And actually, I tell people this—he does um, Tex-Mex barbecue. So Miguel Vidal, who's the pit master there, the owner—he's from San Antonio, Tejado, to, you know, Mexican American, and he basically serves his barbecue with tortillas and rice and beans. He does tacos, beautiful <laughs> flour tortilla tacos. With I, I, I tell people, if you have to go to one spot, I'd say Valentina. There's there's a lot more. But yeah, there's so many more. I'm, I was excited to hear you say La Barbecue first because that's like, I, I've been to two, but that's the one that I went to most recently. I was in Austin for a bachelorette party a couple years ago and I was helping them plan, you know, the itinerary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, what about barbecue? What about barbecue? And I put in a pre-order at La Barbecue for like, you know, shortly after I arrived, but then my flight was delayed. <laughs> so I landed Austin. I'm getting a call from them. They're like, Do you, are you still coming? And I'm like, yes, oh. please, please don't oh. sell my barbecue. And I, so I went straight from the airport with my suitcase by yeah. myself, yeah. go up to the little window with like my huge brontosaurus, you know, beef rib and all the, you know, <laughs> the guy was laughing at me because he was like, are you sure you want a half a pound of brisket and the rib. And I had kind of forgotten what I had ordered. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think I need more? And he's like, uh, well, the rib is a pound. <laughs> so yeah. I think you're going to be okay with like a quarter of a pound, but it was, I mean, to your, to your point, it was amazing. And I was so happy. I was like in a food coma for the rest of the day, but um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely worth the uh, direct stop from the airport. You know, you're not the only, I've literally seen people with luggage. Either <laughs> they have, they've just landed or they're on their way out and not for nothing, but it's, it is interesting. I mean, you know, Leanne and her partner, Allie, they're, you know, two female people in the barbecue game, which, mm. you know, is, is saying something there too. You know what I mean? That's super cool. Um, obviously, there's a lot more to Austin and the food scene than just barbecue. So if someone's never been and let's maybe play off the format of, of your cheap eats show. So if you had like 35 bucks, 12 hours, where are you going in Austin? Oh, well, I already tell you right now, let's just break the budget. OK, OK, was, can, OK, no budget, that, no budget. Well, that, that was my that was my favorite thing about cheap eats. <laughs> like, you know, in, in truth, like even though we all have budgets, that's just how life is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're always some sort of cap uh, it's always fun to kind of go mm, let's let's push it let's push it a bit oh oh god golly molly all right so we've talked about barbecue that's good i i went there last night Quantos tacos does mexico city style tacos so you know mm. in, in the land of tex-mex where there are places that are like these hybrids of almost diners american greasy diner meets mexican food which is actually kind of cool and tasty i love me you know, they call it here interior Mexican. Okay. That's the Tex-Mex mentality. Of like, oh, you like interior. And I'm like, you mean <laughs> from Mexico? Because I feel like Mexican food should taste like it's in Mexico. Quantos Tacos is as legit. And it literally, literally drips with um, the juice, you know, the, the real deal flavor of like Mexico City. That That's a, a bit of a must stop. And actually next door is uh, another guy who's setting up a spot, Troll Taqueria. He literally does fine dining in a tortilla. And it's very mm. interesting because when you go there, so if you're not prepared, some people will be like, what kind of taco is this? Sometimes he tops it with the mole. Sometimes it's vegetarian. And it's very much like what you'd expect out of a farm to table restaurant, but very, very affordable. That's a very, very cool spot, too. And then I will finish tacos with this one last spot. You got to get a breakfast taco. Of course. And breakfast tacos are a big deal in Texas. And so I would almost say go for a very Austin version. So there's a spot called Taco Deli. Mm-hmm. They're very, very Austin in that they do, like, you know, humanely raised foods and organic things and stuff like that. Sustainably caught fish or whatever. They have a breakfast taco called the auto that is black beans mashed together. You've had it. Have I, you had we, it? Well, yeah, because I, oh, I was in charge of the food. And so the day that we went like river floating, I had them like basically like cater like a big breakfast, not cater, like just like delivered um, a bunch of breakfast tacos. And yeah, there were the auto was in there. And the is that the place that has like the spicy like jalapeno? salsa? Donia. Yeah. Yes. 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 Donia yes. Sauce. yes. No, that's exactly like, literally. So there's two things I just have to jump in there and say. Yes. One, 
is the auto taco is delicious and it does an amazing breakfast. It's basically refried black beans, cheese and bacon. It doesn't have eggs and it's somehow amazing for breakfast. How is that possible? A. <laughs> and then B, salsa donia is, I'll just say, it is, that is like crack, man. It is. Come it's on. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so, I mean, I make it. I make it. I literally really? make it. It's so yeah, good. it's so good. It's, uh, it's, I mean, and what's so strange is all it is is canola oil and jalapeno. Jalapeno. Serrano's boiled. You know, really, I boil it with some garlic and salt. But it's it's that weird, strange emulsification of oil that carries that spice and flavor all over your mouth. And it's so good on a flour tortilla with eggs. And I could go on and on. Right, that's the taco thing. Um, <laughs> and your team you know, flour tortilla on the breakfast taco? I like to pair my tortilla. You know, it's kind of like wine. You know, um, I like flour tortillas. Certainly in the auto is really, really good. I always, this is my, my little theory. I think a corn tortilla works with everything. A flour tortilla works better with certain things. So it's nice to kind of embrace it. And, you know, it's why I, I literally have some flour tortillas downstairs that I was using as a sub for lavash bread. I was making shawarma. <laughs> I was like, just use the flour tortilla. They're it's very like the versatile. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love a good kind of quote gourmet or, uh, you know, like a particularly sourced type of corn varietal for a corn tortilla. But flour, I like flour for certain breakfast dishes and for stews, for any braise. I think it's quite good at kind of scooping that. It's like naan to mm-hmm. curry. You yeah, know there I mean? you go. Um, I, I quickly, too, I'll say this. I don't know why. And if I had one bone to pick about Austin, it's not a major city. It just doesn't boast that kind of diversity that you'd see in Houston, Los Angeles, mm-hmm. Chicago, New York, and go on and on and on. But for some reason, they have good ramen here. And the ramen mm-hmm. joints, they look like that kind of hipstery, like cool marketing spot. But the ramen is lit. I never, never cared about ramen more until two ramen spots in Austin. Ramen Tatsuya and Michi Ramen. And Ramen Tatsuya would be notorious like, oh, you have to wait an hour and a half. It's like Austin's ridiculous. Everything's like a concert. Oh, doors open at eight. <laughs> line starts at six or whatever. Um, but the, the ramen game, for some reason, that I've had ramen, certainly in L.A. I had a Pudo New York. I don't know. It's so good. The ramen is, is so good here. You know, I, my kid in particular, he loves, he, he likes carbs. He likes noodles. So um, who doesn't? Carbs. Team, team, team no, carbs. Team he's, carbs. He, he's very team <laughs> carbs and um, soup dumplings. Oh. Uh, I've had some very good soup dumplings. Interesting. Are you are you in L.A. or New York? I'm in New York. Yeah. OK. I mean, there's I mean, there's there's there's, there's some soup dumplings here. I would they're on the bougier side, but okay. they're so good. They remind me of a place in L.A. called Din Tai Fung, which is like yes. from, out of Taiwan. It's like Din Tai Fung. Okay. It's like Din Tai Lin. So good. Martha Stewart, she liked it. <laughs> All right. So everybody hopefully is taking notes for the next time that they're able to travel to Austin. And speaking of cheap eats from Cooking Channel, now bingeable on Discovery Plus, by the way. Um, as you've been kind of talking about, you know, a big part of that show is travel and exploring new places. Not really, you know, a thing right now because of yeah. current situations. Um, but let's go back. What was your favorite city to explore for that show? So I have to tell, you know, I'm just, you know, obviously like, you know, I got some idea what you're going to ask me. I racked my brain on that question. Do you know how difficult that is? It's insane because <laughs> there were so many places that surprised me. I had no, I had zero expectation when I went to Grand Rapids, Michigan. What a cool town. Seriously, very, very cool town. But you said city, so let's stick to city. No, you could say, you could say town. I mean, I should leave it broad. I'm from a town, so... Wait, you uh, are? Where are you from? Well, I'm from Great Falls, Montana. Did you go to Montana at all during the show? Bozeman. Yeah, oh, okay. Bozeman. Bozeman. Yeah, Bozeman's I, a hot little growing we, spot. We went to 40 states, 59 cities. So That's like, so cool. Yeah, we definitely, it, it added up. It definitely, I mean, uh, didn't get to Alaska and Hawaii. But okay. Um, so, uh, okay, so uh, you know, out the gate for sure, um, Atlanta was, was really cool because, you know, so much of this is personal. You know, like when I went to Atlanta, even though you would think Atlanta, okay, it's in the South, right? Okay, it's a Southern city. Atlanta reminded me tremendously of Los Angeles. Hmm. There were these drags and there were these like strip mall drags that would have like loads of Vietnamese food, Mexican food. Like, and that's how I cut my teeth on food exploring Los Angeles. So there was that sense of familiarity. And frankly, like, 
a bigger city, more diversity that I quite frankly don't get the same volume of in Austin, mm. right? So I loved Atlanta. And you know, it's funny, out the gate, unlike any other city I've been to, the feel you have of the African-American community in Atlanta is like nothing else I've experienced in America. Like it's, you know, to put it in, in a very succinct way, and I asked a, a, an Uber driver about it, she goes, you know what? Uh, when I came here from New Jersey, my family said, go to Atlanta. It's where black people are doing well. And it's just, it, there's a sense of the community there that I've not seen in other cities. And mm -hmm. I've been through the South. And I like that. It was really, really cool. It was really remarkable. It's a, I think it's a really remarkable, special city. D.C. is an amazing place to visit. Like, talk about being a tourist and just, you know, taking in, like, the architecture and stuff like that. History, it's yeah. Yeah, it, it's neat. I'm in love with New York City. Mm. Like, it's a crime that I don't live in New York City. It's a crime. <laughs> and when we went to Brooklyn, I was a sponge and I was soaking it all up. And also, I think, look, Chicago, I, I grew up in St. Louis and we go to Chicago every summer. And when I got to college, I was like, get me out of the Midwest. Get me out of the Midwest, which is kind of a kicker because I look back and I go, man, I love me some Chicago. I could have torn it up in my 20s. <laughs> Chicago is an amazing food city. It's a fascinating food city at every level. That being said, there's something about Atlanta that it just hit me so hard. I'd want to like experience it more. I, it's something there, not quite like any other city I've been to, but I do love New York City. I yeah, I will. Okay. Same. That's why. That's why I'm here and continue to be here. So, sure. uh, no, it's a, it's a great city, and you you listed off a, a lot of great places. Uh, where are you going when travel is back to normal? Yo, we got a big one. So we are going to Japan. We uh, have some good yeah. friends who, A, my kid loves ramen, right? He loves Yeah, ramen. you gotta go. My wife loves sushi. I've, I've been dying to go to, you know, Tokyo, Japan. I mean, my kid loves anime. We're going to Japan. We are doing it. We're going for the big trip. We're going to Japan. That's awesome. I, uh, I've been, but it was for, it was when I was still working in sports and we were there covering the Oakland A's playing the Red Sox. And, um, it was amazing, but I definitely did not get a enough chance to explore, especially the food scene. So that is on my list as well. Isn't it like freakishly clean? It's so it's clean. Like, yeah. So clean. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very, very clean. Singapore yeah. was very clean as well. Um, but yes, it was an amazing, amazing city. And I, I would love to even, you know, because I was in Tokyo, would love to explore, you know, the whole country there. I think that there's just so many different places to go. So uh, this has been so much fun. I mean, you definitely bring so much energy and excitement and you can tell just how much you truly love food and what you do. Uh, so one last question before we let you go. Your your perfect food day, what's on the menu? So we're talking breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert. You can time travel, spend however much money you want. You can be served by any chef, living or dead. There, there basically are no rules to this question. So yeah. have at it. <laughs> you know, I, I knew this question was going to rack me. And I, I, the time travel was very, very cool. But I'll just knock it out. It's all, it's all about what I've been dealing with the moment. Okay. I'm such a habitual, like I eat oatmeal most of the day. So an indulgent breakfast is always a big deal. This is what we're doing. We are going to get some locks from Russ and Daughters. Mm. We are going to get some brunchified stuff. I went to Thomas Keller's uh, Bouchon in Vegas. Uh -huh. And I remember and I, something about smoked salmon is to me the ultimate luxurious uh, <laughs> breakfast item. And we had like salmon roulette. But I would do, man, I, I definitely get me like maybe a Russ and Daughters bagel. Um, I, I got this hash brown souffle from this restaurant in the pisserie here with smoked salmon. Something, something luxurious with smoked salmon. Hmm, we'll call it a Russ and Daughter special, $18 bagel. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, you know, it's so good, though. It's, it's so, so good. good. It's, it's definitely the spot it's you go when people are in town because you yeah. can't afford to go there all the time. It's, it, it's a lot. So, so you know, I, I want something just special for my breakfast, right? That That's what I want. For lunch... I want me a smashed burger, mm. the kind where yes. the edges are like just crisp, you know, for this uh, show, for best thing I ever eat, my burger pick, which was impossible because I have more than one favorite, but it was a place in St. Louis that was like a burger I grew up with called Carl's Drive-In. And, you know, it's funny when you have memories, a powerful thing. 
right? Mm -hmm. So you can say, oh, it's a burger I had growing up. It's going to be so great. Then you go back and try as an adult. Is it that good? I know this burger joint is good because George Motes, who is a full-on hamburger (laughs) expert, he lists Carl's Drive-In as a definitive version of that Smash-style burger. So we're getting Carl's. And uh, and he makes makes a good Smash burger, too. He's had a few pop-ups around. I'm dying! (laughs) The guy sells a $200 spatula! (laughs) And it it looks like... Is that how much it costs? The Smash yeah, yeah it, lo- um, it, it looks like it works. No, sure it does. Tool. I have one, but I, I anyways. Um, so, 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 Russ and daughter. Let's just go, Russ and daughters. Carl's driving for that burger. Now, for me, you know, way back in the day when I had that show idea, chef show, cookie show idea with Jeff Morrow, we mm-hmm. grilled a lot, right? I love cooking by the grill. Part of it is just a cool place to hang out and of course i love foods that are cooked over a real open fire so i would make an argentinian asado right so skirt steak chorizos beef short ribs fat batch of chimichurri for sure like it's it's a thing that's like it's a staple for me you know um you know i don't know you know there's so many things i could you know could i go back in time could i have like the french restaurant my dad took me to when i was like 12 years old where i'd have like my first six course meal sure but i'm just living in the moment of right now right now russ and daughters smash burger from carl's and me cooking up some chorizos and skirt steaks. Oh my God. Come on. And That's dessert crazy. is going to be some sort of chocolate mousse, right? You know, I, I do love chocolate mousse. I can't think of a, it's hard to find. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? You don't see it that often. The other flip for me, and it's so funny. I, even though I've been experiencing all this cool new dessert stuff, I am a sucker. I get weak in the knees for a really good ice cream. And there's an ice cream spot right up the way from me called Amy's Ice Cream. Mm -hmm. And you know when you get good ice cream and you're like, how much is a pint? They're like 15 bucks. You're like, (laughs) but it's so good. It's like nothing else. Like premium ice cream is no freaking joke. And I love chocolate. The Mexican vanilla. Get out of here. I don't even need sprinkles. It's just (laughs) so, I do like that pure, smooth, Creamy goodness. I can go on for days. You probably learned that already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I could go on for days listening to you talk about food, but unfortunately, uh, we are running out of time. So I would just like to say thank you so much for uh, you know bringing your your hype beast foodie attitude and energy to the podcast. I've so enjoyed uh, speaking with you and listening to your story. So thank you so much. No way. Totally. Totally. It's been a blast. Uh, you know, I, I think starting off with hype beast foodie, I think we answered the first question, no matter what, no matter how everything <laughs> else went down, we answered that one. Set the tone for the entire interview. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. I have a new appreciation for Hype Beast Foodie. Actually, I didn't really know what it was before, so I have just a appreciation in general, but loved talking food with him. He is clearly someone who is so passionate about food and eating and everything that he does and everything that we see on the screen. Um, Definitely take notes for all of those uh, recommendations in Austin as well. And yeah, I can't wait to, to see what comes of that big Japan trip also. For more Ali, check out the new season of Spring Baking Championship. New episodes airing every Monday night at 9, 8 central on Food Network and streaming on Discovery+. Plus. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss a single episode. And if you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to rate and review. We always love a five-star rating. That's it for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday.